This week, I sit down with National Rugby League strength coach Andrew Barrage. Coming from an intense sporting background, Andrew has been a strength coach for 18 years with experience coaching in all different kinds of populations, finding his success with rugby league, having spent time working with all different ages throughout the Pathway program, finally settling into a professional setting. We cover a wide range of topics in the interview, I believe both helping athletes and coaches. For athletes, we discuss how to go about starting to create your own pathway program based off of Andrew's experiences and the habits to start building in your younger years to put yourself on the right path to be successful as your career wears on. We also discuss the importance of practicing being a professional at all times in order to have those important habits come more naturally. As well, I believe one of the most important pieces that we touch on in the interview is our discussion about what to look for and what not to look for in a strength coach. We work in an industry where people almost fetishize degrees and certifications. Not that these are in any way a bad thing, but you need to better understand as both a coach and an athlete, the importance of application. Andrew gives some great thoughts in our talk about what that should look like and how you can really tell the good coaches from the bad ones within our world. Speaking of which, for the longest time, I avoided getting into the online training world because I really felt like there was no way to deliver the quality of coaching that I aspired to. Since the pandemic started, I've been coaching athletes online using Train Heroic. This platform allows me to continue to create individualized programming designed with athlete-specific needs in mind. As well, I include videos of every exercise along with coaching instructions to ensure that exercises are being done properly and progress is continuing to be made. It is such an incredible interactive platform and it has allowed me to expand my clientele well outside of my city. If you're an athlete looking to take your game to the next level, this is a great opportunity for you. Get in contact with me about starting up today by sending an email to kenny at coachdusso.com. All right, everybody, it's time for Andrew Barrage. This is the Elite Development Podcast, a show with the aim of helping athletes evolve in every element of their careers through real-world advice and experience. I'm your host, Kenny Dusso. I'm a strength and conditioning coach in Calgary, Alberta, with a singular focus on building better athletes. And now, let's get to the episode. Andrew, thanks so much for being here, and everybody, thanks for coming back and tuning in again. Welcome. Lovely, lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. So where I always like to start is, uh, can you talk me through a little bit about, you know, your experiences in sport as a kid, like what sports you were playing, what kind of levels, and uh, then what led you down the path of strength and conditioning? Yeah, cool. Um, so uh, I've always been a pretty sporty kid. Um, I, I started karate at five years old. Um, I ended up doing, I ended up doing karate until I was about 17. Um, so I was I was really deep in that, um, and then in the in the meantime as well, I played a lot of soccer, so football. Um, you know, I played a lot of that as a kid, and then it kind of got to a crossroads at about fourteen years old, where uh, my mum couldn't take me to both training sessions, so I had to choose. It was one or the other, and I did choose uh, choose the karate path. So um, you know, I was still playing soccer and then rugby league in Australia. We have uh, I was playing that at school as well, so that was um you know, between those, those kind of three sports and then touch football and stuff like that. And I, I, I loved every sport. Like I said, I'm, I'm not the tallest individual. So, um, you know, I was kind of limited with that. There was no basketball for me, unfortunately. I liked playing it, but I was never tall enough. Um, and then, and then I think was about 
18, 19, I kind of shifted from karate into like kickboxing, um, ended up ended up doing uh, more Thai, so Thai boxing, had uh, my first professional fight at about 19 and then fought professionally until I was 26. Um, and then at the same time, I'd kind of started to dabble towards the end of my career. I kind of discovered like CrossFit and things like that and um, I was a personal trainer. I started becoming a personal trainer at about 20. Um, my, my Thai boxing coach was a personal trainer. Um, when I left school, I was actually doing like a, like an, an electrical apprenticeship type thing. And, um, I, I no, no aspirations of doing that full time was just something that I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school. Um, my my Muay Thai coach, as I said, was a personal trainer, and he was at he was on me going like, you, you should train people, you know, this, this could be a good job. At the time, this was well, I turned I turned thirty eight a couple of days ago, so this is I was twenty eighteen years ago or so. Um, personal training wasn't really a full time job. Like I, I remember I remember saying to my mom like, oh, I'm going to leave the trade and I'm going to be a personal trainer, and she was like, What are you thinking? That's not a job, you know. You can't you can't do that. Um, Anyway, I ended up doing it and then kind of bit the bullet and made the jump and and then didn't look back really. So yeah, my, my sporting career, Thai boxing wise, was that was the the thing I did. Um, I had a pretty successful career with that. I was pretty fortunate to have a good career and didn't didn't get hurt or anything like that. And uh, come towards the end of my career, I was obviously PTing people and were doing kind of that strength and conditioning element to it, but more of a personal trainer. And then. Um, I, as I finished Thai boxing, I kind of discovered CrossFit at the time. CrossFit had kind of just started. And that was like my first real look, I think, at a kind of strength and conditioning style type world where it had, you know, a bit of everything you know, thrown in. So I ended up doing that. Uh, CrossFit, I started doing that. It kind of scratched that competitive itch that I had um, stopping fighting. So uh, I did I did CrossFit for for a while actually, and then you know ended up doing the whole back in the day there was the regionals and all that sort of stuff. So I, I managed to compete in that I think four or five times, um, and then and then I was still PTing. I was running a gym. Um, I was running a gym in Sydney here, and then I got approached by basically a, a ex client slash investor saying, um, "Do you want to open a gym?" Uh, and at the time I was living in a different part of Sydney and I just, I'd moved to the North. I was running a gym in the South. And then this guy kind of said, Oh, look, I'll fund it if we open a gym in, in, in the North Northern Sydney. So I was like, yeah, you know, why not? We went up there and I ended up, yeah, I ended up opening this gym and it was a, we started as a CrossFit gym and then it ended up more like a strength conditioning gym and had boxing and kickboxing and all sorts. And um, I ran that successfully for probably eight, nine years. Um, somewhere in that, I, I started to I started to get into rugby league as a strength conditioning coach. Um, again, just one of those things that conversation be had with people. And I, I had I had a friend say to me, oh, would you teach, um, would you come and do a strength, would you come and do a power clean uh, session with some under, I think it was under 16, under 16, under 17 uh, boys from, from this, this rugby league team from the Manly Seagulls. And I, I said, oh, yeah, no worries. Like, I'll come and do that. That's cool. And then he said, oh, would you come and have a coffee with uh, with the coach? And I was like, right, okay, well, what, what do you want to have coffee about? Like, what's he said he wants to discuss the session. And I was like, 
doing a power clean session. Like what's there to discuss? Yeah. Um, and anyway, I go and have coffee with this, with this dude and, and um, we're chatting away and he's saying to me like, hey, what's your thoughts on strength conditioning for rugby league? And obviously younger athletes at the time, 16, 17, and we're chatting away and I'm kind of giving him my thoughts on things. And then at the end he goes, oh, like, do you want, do you want the job? And I was like, what job? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, oh, do you want to come and do, like, be the strength and conditioning coach for my team? And I was like, yeah, shit, why not? That'll be fun, you know, get me out of my gym. Yeah, get me out of my gym a couple of days a week. Like, why not? Well, what harm is that? That'll be, that'll change it up. So um, that was kind of how I got introduced to strength conditioning in a, in a, in a team setting in rugby league. Um, and then from there, I, I progressed through, progressed through the ranks. I still had my gym. So I was like, potentially like, well, I was working full time. And then in the afternoons, I'd go to, I'd go to football training and run the, run the sessions there. And um, it was, I think I'm coming up to my sixth season, my sixth year at the club. And, you know, I went from like the under 16s to, the under 18s and then I was and then I was overlooking the 18s and the 16s and then I went to the 21s and then was overlooking 21 18 16 and then I was kind of like a like a permanent part-time role there because I obviously still had the gym and then I sold the gym at the end of last year and uh got the opportunity to move full-time into like the NRL which is which is kind of like the the premier rugby league competition um as a as a full-time job so that's that's where I'm at right now. So it's, um, it, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. So yeah. Say, that's, that gives you a bit of a background. No, I love that. I always love to hear it. Like I always love to hear, you know, right from day one, kind of how people get into it. Cause you know, being in the same field, obviously, yeah. right. It's, it's cool hearing everybody's different path. Cause I know like one thing you said there about like back in the day, you know, becoming a personal trainer just wasn't a thing. I know I dealt with a lot of nah. that. It's like anybody I talk to, right. It's like, you know, oh, you're going to train athletes for a living. It's like, oh, what are you going to do once you're finished doing that? And it was like, no, no, that's, yeah. that's it. Like that, that's all I want to do. <laughs> so hundred percent. It's very it. funny how, yeah. Very funny how like that one sort of around my age demographic, you know, that that's where personal training kind of started to shift as a job. Now, yeah. now a personal trainer is like, it's a normal thing. You know what I mean? Like to finish, finish school and there's different avenues that you can take and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas yeah, no, when I start, I remember my mom literally going like, no way, like <laughs> no chance. And and my my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, actually was the biggest supporter of me. She was like, oh, no, go do it. Like, you know, you can do it. And luckily for me, my my boss at the time too was pretty supportive. He was like, oh, look, go try it. If it doesn't work, just come back. So it was, I had support, which was really nice. Yeah, that's like, that's a, that's a real <laughs> right because you know like worst case you got nothing to lose if you try it out for a little while it doesn't work out you've always got that plan b sitting there if you need it so exactly exactly yeah and i mean that's the toughest part right is like being in that position where that's sort of i remember that thought going through my head a lot where it was like you know i was in university and i was kind of you know this is what i know i wanted to do it's like but people don't really make careers at that so i should probably go a different yeah. way like kind of having those thoughts it's like i always knew where i wanted to go and then i just hit that point where i was like man i got to give it a shot like worst case if i go for totally. a few years and it really doesn't work out like i can turn around and figure out what's next but Absolutely. Worth i think that's the, almost the best way to be mate like when when you you get it to a point where I remember I was training people before I was going to work as the, as the tradie type thing. Yeah. So I would train people in the morning, go to work, 
finish work. I was training myself at the same time. Like I had fights coming up, so I'd train and then I'd teach classes after that at a gym, you know? So it was, I was working far out. I was working a lot. And then it got to a point where it was like, hang on, I'm, I'm working like 10, 12 hours a week, making the same money as I'm making in this full-time trade apprenticeship type thing. That's, that was the jumping point. That was where it was like, okay, like I'm going to have a crack at this and just, and see what's up. Well, exactly. Right. And it's like, I think that's something that I know, like in my early years in the field too, it's like when I was coaching 15 hours a week or something like that, right? Like you don't feel like you're working enough. You feel like you got to scramble for more clients, but then you realize if you're set up the right way, 15 hours a week, you're doing just fine. Like, you know, you might not be rich, but you're pulling in as much money as you need. Exactly. For sure. I love that. And uh, with this, like with the rugby team that you're working with now, you know, you said you started with the 16s and then over the years, you've kind of jumped up further and further. Uh, can you talk a little bit through like, what is, what are the main differences as you move up to the higher levels with the club, like from the 16 year olds, what is it that kind of helps them move through the older age groups and really be successful compared to maybe those who don't have the same fortune? Yeah. Um, I think, I think the, First of all, for me, like I, we call it pathways here. Like it's a pathway system into the, into the, you know, let's call it professional into the NRL. Yeah. Um, what I like the common denominator nine times out of 10 is that the kids are all talented. They're in the system because the talent is there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, it's that old cliche of like, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Um, I've seen a lot of talented kids come through the system and, and, and not many, you know, get through without without working hard and being, you know, trying to adapt to these professional, you know, little bits and pieces in, in their life. And when I say life, I mean, you know, not just coming to training and being professional, but ones that usually are, you know, the, the next level athlete, um, you know, they they adapt and, and take take on the take on the nutrition, take on the the, the water drinking, like as simple as that sounds, they take on these little things that build into big things after they've been doing them for a couple of years. Um, and I, I think if I, well, I still do, I still oversee part of my job now is to still oversee the pathways program. So um, what I, what I try to really uh, echo into, into these young athletes is, is the fact that those, those one percenters, you know, be professional, if you want to be professional, practice being professional all the time. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, you've still got to be a kid as such. You, you, everyone makes mistakes. That's cool. And, you know, you're going to have a little blowout where you might go and drink with your friends or eat a bit of McDonald's or, I don't know, you know, try cigarettes. Or, I, don't, I don't know what it is. But, you know, there's those things are, I'm, I'm not saying don't live a life. But what I'm saying is if your goal is to be a professional athlete, when you're in a system, when you come into this elite level representative system, everyone around you has talent. So <clears throat> you can't just rely on talent. Yeah. And I, I think that's when, that's when, you know, being prepared for training, obviously coming and putting into training is, is probably the easiest part um, because they do love to play whatever sport that may be. So they turn up and they're happy to be at training, which is, which is all good and well, but um you know, if you haven't prepared right, being how much water have you had that day? Have you had something to eat? Have you been eating before before training? Did you fuel your body? You know, how much sleep did you have? 
You know, are you making silly decisions outside of training that are going to impact you coming to, coming to training in the best, you know, potential shape? Yeah. Um, so, so I would say that's the, that's the biggest thing for young athletes coming through. Um, again, at the same time, I would, I would probably say I've seen some dudes come and, and not look like a superstar in the, in the under 16s, under 15s, you know, and then some guys that even haven't made it at that year and then have hung in there and have made it as an 18 year old and then come back as an 18 year old and then just like taken off from there and flourished and ended up in that professional system by the time they're 2021. 20, um, so I would say again, you know, don't give up as well. Like it's not, it's not over. Like if you don't make it in, in rugby league, especially if, if 16, if you're not getting picked for that team, it doesn't mean at all that, it, that the dream's gone, you know? Yeah. No, man, I love that. And like with the pathways program, are there specific things that you guys like as the coaches are trying to implement as habits or is that just sort of you talking because you know you've been through it and you know the drill or is are there specific things like when you come into our U16 program are there habits that you guys are working on for those athletes to kind of dial them in as they move up to the higher levels yeah I think I think for a start we try and kind of drip feed them a little bit so that it's not you know too much to, to deal with yeah um in that 16, in that 16 age bracket, like we, we're just trying to get them to, you know, make healthy choices when they, with their food, you know, try and just be aware of um, that, that, that old, you know, you're a Ferrari and would you put, would you put, uh, you know, the bad petrol in the Ferrari or would you put the expensive one? You know, of course it'd be the expensive one. So if you, if you want to be a Ferrari, then treat your body like a Ferrari. So um, just those little things like, you know, trying to, trying to, Eat, eat well, make healthy decisions, um, sleep, the importance of sleep as an athlete and recovery aspect of sleep. Um, water is so such a big, big thing for, for what we're trying to get to, especially the 16s. Like we're trying to say, you know, at least have a couple litres of water a day, especially training days. If it's hot, obviously, a lot of our pre-seasons here are November to, to February, which is our summer months. So, like for example, today it's it's thirty degrees like Celsius. I don't know what that is. Fahrenheit, pretty hot. So well, um, it's thirty degrees Celsius here. So uh, not going to lie, I'd love to be trading places with you right now. <laughs> yeah, so so you know what I mean. But that changes the game again. You know the heat. The heat is another one that if you're not prepared for it, if you haven't hydrated or had something to eat prior to prior to your training session, you're going to get found out. You know very quickly, your body will shut down. Um, so, so that type of stuff, um, stretching, trying to, trying to get them a little educated on stretching and the, you know, the benefits of stretching and how easy it is, um, just giving them little recovery protocols, you know, like just, just nothing, nothing too, too extraordinary, but, you know, something like a, almost like a hundred point, hundred point recovery system, you know, that gives them options to pick and they can scroll through. Yeah. I've got to get my hundred points, you know, after training tonight, um, Again, I think that the biggest thing is trying to just educate them, you know, that with these little, these little, uh, you know, path path to do and find to follow on their on their journey through through the different grades. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key, right? Like, I love what you said there about not putting too much at them right away because that is obviously a difficulty, you know, being in the industry yourself too. You know, there's there's so much information out there, right? Like drinking the right amount of water, getting the right amount of sleep, nutrition, 
recovery training and then so many different ways you can train and there are so many coaches that just like they spend all their time bickering about you know what what squats the best or what kind of training method you need to use here or there but so I like what you're saying there about like start small because I think that's something I always try to get going with my athletes too is if you're in a position right now where all you're doing is training hard and practicing cool you've checked the first box it's like what's the next habit what's the next thing you can add on to that whether it's looking at how you're sleeping looking at how you're eating and you know keep checking more and more boxes but if you try to go from checking one box to checking 100 boxes you're going to overwhelm yourself you're probably not going to stick to anything but if you go from one to two and then two to three and then keep climbing like that over the long term you're going to build those habits that are going to keep you you know healthy and strong throughout in your case those pathways or in any other athlete's case you know throughout their career totally totally and i think you know from a younger athlete like that that's 16 17 when they're still still at school you know they're in high school school's wonderful because it gives them structured eating points as well you know like you can eat before school you'll have like your recess you have your lunch you finish school, you have your snack, you're on your way to training, you have a lump, another little snack, and then you you train, you have your after training recovery, whether that be a shake or whatever, and then and then you have dinner and then you go to bed. Like it's actually it's actually laid out for you. You know what I mean? And and nine times out of ten, well, you'd hope there's you know parents supplying dinners and things like that, which is wonderful. And and that takes that brains out of that too. So um, you know you know kids need to be aware as well of how good that structure actually is laid out to them you know um which which you know we've all been kids i I had no idea that that was as good as it was until it goes you know yeah 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 until it's on you right and then it's like you know you're you're sitting around looking around at lunchtime going oh no i need to make it myself now oh right 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 (laughs) what am i gonna eat for dinner tonight you know like holy shit yeah yeah. And uh, yeah. So then as they sort of learn through that 16 year old, that the U 16s, you know, as they start moving on to the higher and higher levels, what would be, do you think the biggest changes from, you know, the under 16s to under 18s to under 21s, the biggest changes you see, whether from like the way the team's practicing or training, or, you know, how the athletes are approaching their day to day, what would be the biggest differences do you find? Uh a bit of all, all of the above on that one, I would say, um, you know, the, the physicality obviously of, of, of a rugby league game is, is in, you know, exponentially grows through each grade. Um, obviously you've got bigger bodies, more physical mobile bodies. And then at the point where they've come through systems, they end up being, you know, a bigger, faster, stronger, more trained body, which, which becomes, um, you know, a, a more dangerous one. Let's say that, um, so, so that definitely develops through the through the strength and conditioning and the football and the football skills that they acquire, you know, through through our systems, um, you know, trying to prepare them for more more collisions, more collisions, more you know, more drama on their body and trauma. Yeah. We'll probably say trauma is probably a good word that they're going to impact coming through the grades. Um, so that, but that also will naturally occur if they're if they're in the system too, because they are getting that training, they are getting the football time, they are getting the time with the coaches. So they get that technical aspect of football. They come to kind of my area of strength conditioning, and we're trying to progress them through obviously um, movement patterns and have them. Like essentially, if someone's come in the 16s or come as a 15 year old to the club, then you know the goal is by the time they're 18, they're, they're moving well. 
you know, they don't have to be moving um, exorbitant amounts of weight, but they need to be moving well. Once they move well, then they come into like that under 20. So the late, the late 18, 19, under 20 system, you know, they should have a good grasp on all those major lifts. They should be able to Olympic lift, you know, to a, to a good degree, um, you know, and then we can start putting, depending on the individual, we can start putting markers on where we need them strength and conditioning wise in the gym. Uh, on the field, they all have their own targets and stuff like that as well that they need to hit. Uh, and then they move through. They go from the 20s to either a reserve grade style, like a you know, the reserve grade level, or they go into the, the full-time system. If they go into the full-time system, it's another jump again because, because they're then training, you know, as a job. So, you know, once they get into that full-time system, then, you know, you kind of, you got to adapt. I, I can't, I can't really say that you're going to, you're going to get there and, and hit the ground running because it is like such a, such a, wow, this is, this is intense. You know, they go from training two hours after school, four days a week and to, you know, six days, five, six days a week of, you know, six, six hours a day, they're training, they're in their three hour field sessions and they have lunch and then they go to recovery and they come out of recovery, they eat, and then they go to the gym for another hour. Then they're upstairs. Then they're doing cardio. And it's just, it's huge. So at that point, right. It's your job. Exactly. Right. Which they will adapt to, but it will take a couple of weeks for their bodies to be like, Holy shit, you know? And, um, once that's once that adapts, then that's how we kind of, you know, move them through. But on an individual basis, you see, you see the ones that have taken on what they've learned and taken on those little, little chunks of information that we've given them, and they have looked to prepare themselves, you know, individually. So they they look at that as we were saying, they look at that nutrition, that sleep, that hydration. They you know they they do the extras in the off season they're still training you know they're still trying to benefit themselves they're, they're then looking at their own game and thinking okay where do i lack do i need to do i need to be faster do i need to be more powerful am i big enough am i too big um you know all this stuff that that ties into not only football but a strength conditioning you know aspect as well and and you know how do they how do they present come day one of preseason? you know it yeah, gets to a point where yeah, it gets to a point where the more professional ones, they don't turn up to preseason. They no longer turn up to day one preseason out of shape. You know, you get you get guys that turn up and they're ready to rock. And obviously in our in our industry, in our job, when you see an athlete turn up to day one preseason in good shape, it's like, all right, this this guy's this guy's ready to go. You know, he's done us a massive favor and he's done himself a massive favor and the 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 cat the football coaches or the sporting coaches. Um, everybody can see that. So that's one of those that I think you see that cream rise, the ones that take that professionalism 24-7 and turn up as such. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying there. I think, again, like the best trait, like I've been doing this podcast for a while and, you know, I've talked to so many people and so many, so, so much different experience around the world. And the biggest thing that keeps coming back, right, is the athletes that are successful at that top level are the ones who are willing to do what the others aren't, like in one way or another. But I think like the biggest thing that's kind of coming out to me is no matter how good you are, you can always be better. So it's those guys that are going to, you know, continue to look at their game. It's like, even if they led the league in all the most important stats last season, it's like, you're not going to sit there and go, yeah, I'm on top of the league. I don't need to work. Like you're going to look at it. You're going to go, okay. You know, I broke records this season. How do I break my own records next season and make sure no one touches me? And like you said, if you're a strength coach and you're seeing guys show up in tip top shape day one of the preseason, 
you know, right away, that's going to stick out to you, but that's going to stick out to those sport coaches too, guys. Like anybody listening, you know, if your coach sees you're blowing everybody away and all the conditioning drills they're giving you, like they notice those things. And even if you're not the top level skill player, you're making an impression day one, just by showing up like that. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a massive takeaway. You know, that, that whole, any, any, you know, I think the term goat gets thrown around a lot nowadays, you know, probably too much to be honest, but if you look at, if you look at some of the the goats of sport, you know, you look at a, a, you know, in America, Tom Brady, look at that type of dude, look at, look at a Jordan, you know, look at these elite Kobe Bryant and elite level level athletes. The ones that, the ones that are the, the pinnacle of their sport, they are the hardest working men in the room. They're the, they're the first to get the training last one to leave, turn up to, you know, turn up to preseason ready to rock, you know, always trying to win everything. They are the most competitive person you'll see. Um, and I think there's no mistake there. There's no mistake to greatness. Like, as I said, they all come into these systems and everybody's talented. And if you're in a, if you then end up in this professional system where you're at the top of the pile in any sport, you're going to look around and that everybody's a freak athlete. Like it's, there's no, it sounds bad, but there's no bums. You know, they don't look around. I don't look around when I get to work and look at these 40 athletes that we have in our roster. And there's no, there's no bums, mate. They're all good athletes, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, the great ones are the ones that, you know, they just, they just do those extras, you know, they just do that extra work. They, as you said before, they self-analyze, they look at their own game and they're able to, you know, if they, if they either decipher it themselves or they're a big enough person to turn around and ask to ask the coaches like, okay, what do I need? What do I need to get better here? What am I lacking here? You know, we've got a, I've got a couple of athletes in, in, in our system, in our team who are, you know, there's, there's one particular one that's the, at the moment, he's the best player in the league and he will ask you more questions. He will ask me more questions over the course of a day than anybody else. He wants to know why, how, how does this work? How come? what's what's the benefit of this um you know i usually do it like this but you're telling me to do it like this why which which i don't know about yourself but for me i love that i think i think that's fantastic because for me it's like man ask me a question because it shows one you're engaged two you want to know what i know Three, you trust that I know what i know and i'm able to tell you an answer because as a coach you know on the flip side on a as a coaching or any, any sort of coach, strength conditioning especially, but, you know, you need to be able to, to explain yourself to an athlete, to another staff member, to whoever, whoever asks. Exactly. In, in whatever terms, uh, you know, are going to get the point across that individual. I think too many strength conditioning coaches now are so tied up in, you know, degree after degree after degree after degree. They then talk in that language, which to, a, to an athlete – to be frank like they don't give a shit you know what you're saying like you're trying to make yourself sound smart or you're trying to tell me what i need to know so there's a difference you know there's that there's that element of coaching that that's you know coaching to your coaching to the crowd yeah exactly i mean you know it's funny you say that because that's something as well that you know being the, the longer and longer i'm in the field the more i've sort of come to realize that as well that you know so many coaches out there are just so bent on like well, look at all the certifications I have. It's like, you know, they've got 15 different certificates saying, you know, I know this and I know this and I know that, but then they can't explain any of it in normal everyday terms. It's like 
all an athlete really wants to hear is I've got to do it this way. And this is why. Exactly. And if you're able to explain that you're good. If they want more details for sure, go into it, have as much of a discussion as they want. But, you know, I know I've got one athlete in particular. He was, you know, uh, we were talking a little while ago and he said, you know, another person, another professional he works with, he would, he would text a question and say, you know, like why it was uh, in nutrition. He was asking a nutrition question. And he said he got back about eight or nine paragraphs about, you know, what's happening on a cellular level and all of this. And he just sort of, he texted back. He goes, I'm not reading that. Tell me what to eat and tell me why. <laughs> That's it. Like all they want to know is what, what are we doing this for in order to make me better on the field? How, yeah. how does this translate to this? So if I say, if you do this, it will make you faster, stronger, jump higher, run through a line, or to be frank again, just fucking smash someone. That's going to help you just absolutely smash this dude. I'm, I'm in. The athlete goes, sold, bro. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's like, that's such a perfect way to put it. And, you know, I love what you said too, about like loving the fact that they're asking questions. And I also want to make sure that I'm pulling listeners back to the fact that the guy who you put as the best player in the league is the one asking you more questions than anybody. Because I think that just goes to show that, you know, those athletes that really reach the top, they're curious about everything, right? They want to know, what their training is actually, how their training is actually benefiting them. So I think something that I notice quite a bit in strength and conditioning as a whole is so many athletes that just sort of feel like, oh, I know how to train because, you know, they read a book or they've watched a YouTube video or something like that. And, you know, so they kind of have an idea that they know how to train. And the analogy I use, because I work with a lot of MMA fighters, and the analogy I use quite often is, would you go into a fight without a boxing coach, without a jujitsu coach, without, you know, somebody teaching all of those skills? Hopefully not. But why would you leave your gas tank to chance, right? It's like, you might have read a little bit on how to train. I've been doing this for 13 years with great results. Which one are you going to trust more? And, you know, not necessarily even just saying me, but having a coach in place for that, I think is so crucial. Oh, absolutely. Look at the end of the day, you know, what you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. And, and until you get someone that actually knows and you're, you're able to, you know, squeeze that, squeeze that sponge and, and get as much out of that person as you can, then, you know, that we've all been to a point where we thought we knew something until we met someone that knew more. And then you go, shit, like, oh, wow, this is, this is great, you know. And then it's up to you, the individual, to grasp that and think, well, wow, this is such an opportunity for me to learn and be able to be, you know, um, humble enough to go let's like teach me you know teach me and that's that's a cool thing yeah absolutely on that note too because obviously with the club that you're with you know you guys clearly have a really good pathway program of you know these younger kids coming in and they're sort of led all the way up the ranks but in a lot of areas of the world and in a lot of sports they don't have something quite so regimented like that So if you're talking to a younger athlete right now, let's like, regardless of the sport and they're looking to sort of start on that pathway themselves, you know, they want to be a professional one day, but they're not really sure where to start. How would you go about explaining to, if they're talking to coaches, what would your advice be as far as finding, you know, who are the right ones to be talking to and listening to versus who are those ones that, you know, like to think that they know what they're talking about, but aren't really able to back it up. Cause as a kid, it's hard to tell, right? Like you don't know. So if they're saying they sound smart, 
it's easy to kind of get swept away in some of that stuff. So how do we go about telling totally. Um from a from a strength and conditioning standpoint, are we talking mostly? Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's say let, let me answer this from like a strength and conditioning standpoint, because right now, um I think there's there's a, a magnitude of trainers available worldwide. You know, oh, yeah. um every Instagram coach right now is a fucking expert in training professional athletes. They all are. Everybody, everybody oh, yeah. is. If it's in your Instagram bio, it means you know what you're doing. That's absolutely. <laughs> um, but what I, what I would say is, you know, find a find a coach that when you talk to the person, um, you you get the you get the feeling that they care. That that to me would be probably one hundred and one because you're going to get more out of a out of a trainer of any sort. It doesn't have to be strength and conditioning. A trainer that cares versus a trainer that may be super knowledgeable but doesn't care, I would go with I would go with the care person because what what the care person will do is they'll go and source things to make sure that you're okay and that they're going to help you and they're going to do whatever they do in their best interest to, to get you where you need to be. Um, may have a coach that that's you know as we said has all the all the friggin degrees and accolades but doesn't actually give a shit in which case you're going to get you know, a copy paste program here, take that, you know, let me know how you go. If you get that impression, I would say scrap that coach. Um, that would probably be the the one thing for me that, you know, find a coach that cares being one, uh, two, don't be, don't be caught up on, um, don't be caught up on the coach being successful in that particular sport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't think, that that is something that's a, a prerequisite of anything. Um, I've, I've trained athletes and still do. I, I have some online programming and I program for athletes that I've got a couple that I've never met in person. You know, um, I, I don't, I don't do their sport. I've got, a, I've got one, one female athlete that's a 400 meter hurdler. Mate, there's no fucking chance I'm ever going to be a 400 meter hurdler, but <laughs> You know, I, I work with her running coach and her and I understand what the what the sport needs and the energy systems and the mechanics involved in, in what she's doing. And I am able to give her a program that that suffices what she needs for that particular sport. Um, so again, don't don't be yeah, don't be caught up in oh, this guy's used to be this in this sport, or this guy has been in this sport for years. So what? So what? It doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like love that. Um, yeah, for me that that would be another one. So don't don't be yeah, don't be blinded by lights. Look look for look for someone who's genuine and who cares. And then obviously, um, you know, you can build a rapport with and they they need to, don't get me wrong, they need to have some knowledge. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't have any knowledge. They need to have some knowledge, but um, you know, there's there's more to it in the sense of that person caring. That I think that is the biggest that would be the biggest thing I would say, you know, have a, yeah. have a chat. If you're going to have a, if you're going to get a coach, or you're going to go and source a coach, even an online coach or something like that, do this. Like we're in a world now where you can be anywhere in the world, jump on a zoom call, look the person in the eyes and get a, get a bit of a gist on how they are, you know? Um, and I think that would be, that would be my biggest takeaway from that, you know, try and try and source yeah. the coach to a point where you can look them in the eyes, even virtually and um, have a chat and see what's up. Man, I absolutely love that you put care over knowledge because that's something that, again, you know, we've talked about it a few times, but 
it's so easy to get swept away. Like I even, I see it on Instagram all the time, right? It's like, I can't remember who it was the first time that like, that I like, I can't remember what post it was that made me think this way, but I see it on Instagram all the time. There's a million coaches out there teaching you how to squat. And it's like, okay, so after you read one or two of those, you know how to squat, like any athlete that's looking at a person on line that they say strength and conditioning coach anywhere in that bio, they're going to expect that you know how to squat. They're going to expect that, you know, you know how to do a push-up. But if all your posts are just, this is how to squat, this is how to do a push-up, like, okay, again, you're checking that minimum box. It's like, you know how to train people. Good. What are you going to give me that those other thousand coaches aren't? Yeah, totally. Totally. And that's the thing. I reckon that, you know, I'll use myself as an example. You know, I can be in a room with a lot of other coaches, you know, um, that potentially aren't at, you know, aren't at a a level with their job where I am. And I will be the least educated guy in the room. Yeah. On paper. Like, definitely. I'll have the least degrees for sure. I will put my hand up. Like, you know, I don't have a jack list of degrees. I've got one. I've got, you know, other, obviously I've done plenty of, plenty of different certificates in my time, but, you know, from looking at some coaches now, they've got, you know, doctorates and masters. It's unbelievable. Like, don't get me wrong. It's credit. In fact, that's mad, you know, but the one thing that I have done in my, you know, 18 years as a, as a, as a coach, as a personal trainer, into a strength conditioning coach, into a whatever you want to fucking call me, I'm a coach. Um, the the one thing that, that I have done in the last 18 years is coach. Yeah. And I have coached, hands-on coached, every single type of person you could fucking ever think of. Like if there's, you know, an age and gender, a, a, a size, you know, a disability, like I've coached it all, you know, yeah. and that's, that to me is kind of the the art of coaching has been lost in our industry a little bit to a point where everybody knows everything, but how do you coach it? Back to that squat. You know, everyone wants to coach a squat. Okay, that's great. But can you coach a squat in, you know, two cues? Can I give you two cues and you can get what I need you to get? Or do you need a 45-minute session with me on squatting? Because if you do, your coach is full of shit. Like they're just happy to fucking talk, you know, like, yeah, I can I can correct your squat from what it is in two three cues. Not yeah. because I'm the best coach, but because I know how to coach. Well, that's, that's the big one, right? Not because you're the most qualified, not because you've got the laundry list of degrees, but because you actually know how to coach. Because over the last eighteen years, that's what you've been doing, and that's like that's what I always tell people too. Like the odd time, I will have a new athlete come in and ask, like, you know, what's your background? Like, what are your qualifications? And I have a degree in the field. It's like, but I barely ever even mentioned that. Like when I go in, in terms of qualifications, I said, you know, I brought two athletes to a powerlifting national championship when I was 16 years old as their coach. And then I moved into university and here's all I did in university. And then when I left there, I got to, you know, this, 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 and this. And I go through yeah. the last 13 years that I've lived and breathed coaching. And then yeah. by the end, you know, they're sort of sitting wide eyed, like, oh yeah, okay. Like we, sh- I should probably work with you. <laughs> Exactly. And then, and then, you know, at the end of the day, they have a conversation with you and you, you do a 10 minute little session or your first look at them actually moving on a good coach that someone who even doesn't know what they know will turn around and be like, shit. Okay. Like this is, I feel this, you know, I feel it. Cause that's the thing you can change something 
your eyes are good. You've got the, you've got the, you know, the experience in the coaching. So then you look at something and go, Hey man, just try this. Just turn that foot in, you know, lift that elbow up, whatever it is. And that athlete. And when I'm talking athlete, I'm talking from the top of the pile to my mom, you know, <laughs> who doesn't train and, yeah. and she'll feel it. <clears throat> oh yeah. That feels better. Yeah. That, and that's it. That's it. Like that feels better. You're moving better. You are less chance to injure yourself. You're in a better position to then grow and put, put, you know, however that looks, whether it's faster, longer, harder, heavier, whatever that may be, but I'm putting you in a better position for growth. And yeah. that to me, when that person feels that we're done. We're yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what I think one of the times I started really taking the most pride in my coaching, I was like, I'd watch someone doing a shoulder press or something with dumbbells and I'd be able to pick out. It's like, Hey, you've injured your right shoulder before, haven't you? Like when you see that, you know, change in the range of motion from one side to the other. And it's like, it's those little things that I think again, get very lost, right? Like instead of, Oh, you've got some issues with your right shoulder. What can we do to actually help work on that? The, like the good to great in coaching is being able to take that athlete, make the change you need within that session to work on that shoulder and actually improve it versus just going, Oh, if it doesn't hurt too bad, just keep, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also not, you're also, as you're saying from that example, you're using, you're using just a a shoulder press. It doesn't have to be on a a fancy machine or it doesn't have to be on a band. You know, you've got a bar with bands hanging off it and fucking (laughs) kettlebells hanging off that. And that's attached to some bamboo thing across the room and everything's fucking shaking and, you know, just, just do the basics, get the basics right. And we're good. I love that, man. Cause I mean, you know, if it doesn't look cool on Instagram, right. Then what's the point of doing it? That's- <laughs> if that's the case, then I'm the most boring trainer in the fucking world. Well, and I mean, but I think honestly, you need that boring element to you. If you're actually going to be successful, if everything you're doing is trying to look fancy again, that's probably a good indication that like, you, you might want to run away from that coach. If everything needs to look a certain way it'd be fancy, this or fancy that, probably not probably not really with your best interest in mind Agreed. and uh the one other thing i wanted to take you back what you were saying before is the the other thing to look for is not getting focused on you know who that coach was in any given sport because you know you see that all the time x players come out and decide well i was pretty good at training so now i'm going to train people and it kind of turns into all of their athletes doing their method which if you spend 10 minutes in this industry you know is no good and like for yeah. listening, it's important to also make that distinction that being successful in the sport doesn't mean that you're going to be bad at coaching, but it also, you need to look past that. You need to be thinking about more than just that, uh, that person's success as an athlete. Yeah. Look, I, you know, not to bag anyone that's not, that's done really well in their own sport, but a lot of the time when you're in, when you are elite in a sport, uh, what, what I tend to find with that athlete is, they haven't had to learn things from scratch because they're a natural athlete. So they're able to look at something or, you know, you coach that type of athlete and you go, Hey man, can you do this? Oh yeah. They look at it. They can do it. And that's great. That's great. You know, they're a natural freak athlete. That's from our point of view, they're the easiest ones to coach. Exactly. It's It's the one that, okay, can I break this movement down? Can I, can I regress this movement 10 steps and start here and then layer upon layer build that movement to where this person's just looked at it and gone straight to step 10, you know, and the detriment of that natural athlete is they haven't had to regress things. 
So it makes it hard for them to come back and coach a general, a general punter who's going to be like, Hey man, I like, I can't do that. You know? And, and their answer is, well, why not? I did it. <laughs> you know, I did, I, this is where I started. And I think that's where it gets lost on the, on the freak athlete becoming a coach because they haven't had to regress things um, and learn how to coach properly. That's, that's where it can be. You know, you've got to be careful with jumping into that. Oh, this person was a freak athlete. So I'll, I'll, I'll make them my coach. Don't get me wrong. I, I know others that, that are freak athletes that can regress and are fantastic coaches, but it's not always a given. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, I've preached that message quite often before of like, look deeper than how good the person was an, as an athlete, if you're looking to them as a coach, because yeah, exactly. Like you said, like uh, actually one of my favorite stories in that regard my grandfather played in the NHL. He was a hockey player and absolutely phenomenal hockey player his whole life. And he was trying to teach my mom how to raise a puck with her, with her shot. And he was basically just standing on the end of our driveway, roofing pucks under the crossbar time after time after time, but he couldn't teach it. Right. Like he was just sort of saying, he was like, Oh, just do this. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, but that's the problem is I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and I don't even know how to hold the stick. You know, that's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, let's take this right back. Exactly. And so if you're a young athlete talking to one of these, you know, ex-freak athletes that have become a coach now, are there any questions you would go to, like anything that you would tell these young athletes to ask or things to look for to figure out, you know, is this somebody that's going to be the right coach for me versus just is this somebody who was a great athlete before me? Um, I think you'd always have the the chat with the coach as to asking, you know, like kind of what what can they do for you in the sense of like where are you at, where do they think you need to go, which which every coach will give you their opinion on where you're at right now as to you know versing where you need to be. The next question you need to ask is like how do you get there? How are they going to help you get there? And if they go, oh, we're just going to train hard and we're going to work hard and um grind it out <laughs> you're gonna get there like that's fucking bullshit you know it needs, to be, it needs to be like okay well you know you've got this and this this issue here is where we're going to start and then once we get that right then we're going to move to this and once we get that right then we'll move to this and then essentially if everything goes to plan and we have no hiccups on the way by the time we get here you're going to be at this level if our goal is here but we've now got you here from here but we went like this to get here. Now we're going to move on to there. But once we once we get to here, we are going to discuss this part. Let's not even discuss this part right now. Let's just get you from here to here. And then once we get here, we'll move forward. I think if yeah. there's if you have that conversation and the person has a distinct plan on, on how they're going to break it down in their head and build you into something and, and you know, not even build you, but might have to might have to, you know, break it down first in order to build you back up then that to me is a good sign. You know, that, that's yeah. a good sign. And I love that idea too of breaking you down before building you back up. Cause I know quite often, like I've started with athletes that have, you know, either worked with other coaches in the past or just been training on their own for a number of years. And, you know, the first instinct when we're getting back down to squatting with just a bar on the shoulders and no weight, or like, you know, not even using a bar right away, right away, they're going, man, like I could do more than this. Like, let me, let me add some weight. I'm like, no, you add weight when it looks like this. And it's like, yeah. until it looks like that, you're squatting 45 pounds, get used to it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, you know, anything in life that you want to look pretty had to look ugly first. So in order to, uh, in order to appreciate pretty, you need to, uh, you need to realize what ugly is. Otherwise yeah. everything's pretty. And my friend, 
not everything is pretty in life. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was though, eh? Oh, absolutely. Well, and I love, I love that too, just again, because I think like there are so many athletes out there, right. That they're just like, they kind of feel like they know how to train. Cause on the surface, it's not that complicated. You lift some weights, you do some sprints, you do some cardio, you're in better shape, yep. but you know, until it fails you, that's when you finally realize, Oh, maybe I need someone in charge of this for me. Right. Yeah, and that's when, that's when you get injured, you know what I mean? And you, or you have an injury from a sport or whatever that may be, you have an injury from a freaking silly accident. And then that becomes, Oh geez, like I have to start again. And when, when you, when you've had injuries and, you know, that's another thing that a lot of the time now, I think um, a lot of athletes obviously get injured and then they turn around to coaches and they trust people, you know, with, Oh, I've had an ACL or whatever that may be, you know, I've done a shoulder, you know, my, my personal trainer is going to rehab me like, fuck me. Your personal trainer has got no idea what they're talking about. And this is going to, you know, this is going to stretch your, your, re, your rehab even longer than it needed to be. So, um, you know, especially when you're coming back from an injury, you know, you have an injury, I would say, you know, sort the advice of medical specialists first and then make sure that, you know, that trainer is, is linking in with your, with your medical guys. So, you know, your physio or Cairo, whoever that may be that they are talking to your trainer or your trainer is, is, you know, brave enough or professional enough to reach out to that medical expert and say, Hey, I'm training this guy. He's coming back from, from a, from a knee surgery. Where is he at in his rehab? What stage, what are his limitations? Um, not the trainer then going like, I've got you. I know, I, I know what to do here. Like, and don't get me wrong, like, uh, you know, I've, I've had plenty of surgeries, uh, unfortunately for me, but unfortunately for me as a person, fortunately for me as an athlete, as a coach, yeah. you know, I've had, I've had these injuries because it's helped, it's helped me, you know, be very empathetic to an athlete as to where they're at and what they should do and what they can't do because, you know, I've been through so many freaking rehabs myself, it's not even funny, um, but uh, that it's just one of those things that it, that might be another thing you need to look at. You know, if you're coming back from an injury and you've got a coach, then what are their understanding of it? Have they been there themselves? They know what they're talking about. Like when they tell you to go and do something, you say it hurts and they say, oh, go through it. Don't get me wrong. There's an element of that in our job that we do go through. I'm going to take you through that point, but there's always a time to take you through. It's not always the time to take you through. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I always talk to athletes about that when they've got, you know, those nagging aches and pains or injuries. It's like, look, we're going to try this. If that gives you any kind of sharp pain, if it flares it up, anything of the sort, we stop it right away. If it feels like it's, you know, maybe a little sore, well, we'll work through it a little bit, but just be cautious of it. Be mindful of it. Absolutely. Make sure we're not pushing too far. But even what you were saying about like seeking the advice of the medical professionals, I think even then it's trying to look for the one that has experience working with athletes or is interested in working with athletes or has been an athlete themselves because, again, they're going to understand that athlete mentality, right? It's like, if you go to any average person, uh, physiotherapist or somebody off the street, they're going to say, Oh, doing that hurts. Well, stop doing that. But don't do it. understand yeah. an athlete's not going to stop doing that. So it's like, if you go to the right yeah. people, they're going to build you a plan to do what you can do around the injury and not just stop, stop entirely. Right. For sure. For sure. And so just as we wrap up here, like this has been an awesome hour. I've really loved getting your insights into you know such a wide variety of things that we've gotten into, but uh, keeping that goal of the show in mind, you know, what it takes to help an athlete create a successful career in sport, 
Is there anything you feel like we've missed? Anything that you'd want to touch on a little more? Um, I know we no, got a lot here. I don't, I don't think I don't think we've missed anything. I think like just to reemphasize, like you know, with the athlete, the you've got to have this. You've got to have this full circle or this holistic view on things. Like it's not just getting the coach. It's not just being professional yourself. It's not just, you know, having the goals. It's, it's everything needs to, to marry, you know, like if you've got the talent, you've got the skill, you know, you're going to get the fitness, you're going to get the strength. You're going to be professional yourself and look after those, those, you know, aspirations or look after your body then you're going to surround yourself with this good network being the coach you know being your your strength and conditioning coach your your technical football soccer basketball you know coach um you've got you've got the support of other athletes around you because that's going to be important too you need that comfort network of people that are you know trying to strive for the same goals as you surround yourself with like-minded individuals like if you're if every friend you've got is is doesn't like training, then the last thing you're going to do is go and do those extras. You know that makes it a lot harder themselves. So, you know, I think the biggest thing with this whole process, you know, because there's there's plenty of there's plenty of opportunity to source knowledge and source um, you know comfort all, all the way to to where your goals need to be. Um, the one the one thing that I reckon I just need to emphasize for every athlete out there is just make sure you're having fun. You know, yeah. it should be fun, like fun. It's got to be fun because the day it turns to a chore instead of something that you love is the day your growth will stop. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's where it's at. Like that, that fun. And that's even for me as a coach. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. Like I love my job and oh, absolutely. I feel very fortunate that I, that I enjoy training every athlete I come across because it's fun. You know, I have fun with it. And the day I don't have fun will be the day I'll have to look for something else. But, yeah, you know, just like the athlete, the coaches are the same, man. We're here to have fun. And if we're all having fun, that is a recipe for success, you know. Um, yeah, you combine that talent, that hard work and the knowledge and the support with fun and we're always having fun, then fuck me, we are on, you know. That's yeah, man, I love that. I mean, I think, like, what you were talking about there about like getting everything married, right? Everything has to go together, the skill, the fitness, the recovery, all of that stuff. But I think even just to take that one a step further is like understanding that it's a process, right? Like in my own career, I know that was one of the big things that I struggled with early was feeling like, you know, I had to be perfect all the time. Like, you know, I had mm -hmm. to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way when I was in the gym, have all this knowledge that I didn't have yet. And like, it was overwhelming because I was trying to do so much all at the same time. And the day I was able to sort of sit back and be like, nope, like I'm early in this process and I'm, you know, wherever I'm at today, I'm going to be 1% further along tomorrow. And the, you know, the goal is every day to be able to look back at my day and go, okay, I improved today. So instead yeah. of trying to be at the finish line, I'm just trying to be one day further into the process. And when I started looking at it that way, it became so much more fun too, right? Because you're oh. in the moment, you're loving what you're doing. You're not focused on all the stuff you don't have yet. You're focused on where you're at and focused on trying to be a step yeah. further more. And I would say like, there's, you know, focus on what you can do, not what you can't. You know, that that's the, that's the biggest key, whether you're coming back from injury, whether you're, you're on the road for this, you know, long haul towards a goal. Just 
blink is on focus on what you can do not what you can't because if you focus on what you can't you're just going to get the shits you're going to be depressed the fun's going to go everything becomes a chore and it's just it throws the, the spanner in the works now in saying that shit happens so you know on your journey you're going to get injured you're going to have i don't know you're going to need to work more you're going to need to not be able to train that day once you get older and you have a relationship and kids and things like that that it's not always clear cut yeah there will be be hurdles so don't get you know don't lose sight of your goals but at the same time you know things things happen it's a challenge you know that that's just how it goes it's that's what i would say just that you know focus on what you can and what's achievable for you each day and as you said if you can improve one percent every day then you're on the you're on the right track yeah exactly and i mean i think that just goes right into what you were saying about focus on what you can can do and not on what you can't because again like if you focused on where you're trying to be 10 years from now well that's far away there's a lot in there that's going to be overwhelming if you're focused on where you're at today and where you want to be tomorrow 10 years from now it takes care of itself. Exactly. Awesome, man. Well, again, I want to thank you again for taking the time. I'm glad we are finally able to set this up. I know we were going yeah. back and forth for a little while, but uh, hey, both being in the same field, uh, I know exactly how it is. It's a busy, it's a busy lifestyle. So I appreciate you making the time for me. No, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been good chatting. And everybody, thank you all for tuning into the show. This has been another episode of the Elite Development Podcast with Andrew Barrage and Kenny Duso. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I would greatly appreciate if you subscribed and left a review for the show. As well, I would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were from the episode. My contact info is linked below. Send me a message and let me know what you thought. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Dusso. Thank you again and see you next time.